All right, welcome in to a Thursday edition. We're changing it up, boys and girls, changing it up. The Fezzik Focus podcast is back, though. Uh, for the foreseeable future, we'll be on Thursdays, at least until football season cranks back up, we'll, and then we'll go from there. Um, but we were just thinking, man, we're, we're burning up everything on one day, you know, doing the Focus pod, then doing the Dream pod. We could spread it out a little, spread the love. So uh, that's what we plan to do. Of course, the star is here. The only two-time Super Contest winner. Hello, Steve Fezzik. AJ Hoffman, good morning. I was told there'd be donuts. I don't see any. I was unaware of this, but you know what? Next week, there will be donuts. <laughs> there will be donuts. All right. I wanted to uh, – there's a couple – we got a, a packed show today. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL, talk some NBA, talk some USFL, talk some uh, general prop betting uh, and some general handicapping stuff with Fez. But I want to start with the NFL. The draft takes place, and all the uh, – you know the geniuses come out and say this is how this is how much better this team is now than they were a week ago. Sure, buddy, but I I wanted to take a chance and and look at your power ratings, which you know your Vegas power rankings against a mainstream media member's power rankings, and see what the difference is. Because let's face it, the mainstream media guys' power ratings are, are much more accessible. To the average guy and a guy who might be walking up to the window making a bet, he says, "Oh, this team's better than this team in the rankings. This is this makes me feel good about my bet." I want to take a look at your yours together and see what the big discrepancies are. Sure, who are the teams that the mainstream media is overrating? Who are the teams the mainstream media is underrating? So, uh, one of the guys who does this uh, regularly is Pete Prisco of CBS. So, I pulled up his power ratings. And what and does he do for CBS? He's their NFL He's an analyst? NFL writer, yeah, NFL analyst. Mm-hmm. So Doesn't bet for a living. Does not bet for a living. Not that I know of. Mm. Not that I, I think he's working what, what people would call a straight job. Mm. Writing. You, you know, that's a headline. He's got you, deadlines. You rarely see. You know, psychic wins lottery. Um, NFL analyst quits job to bet sports for that's, a living. That is true. All right. Let's start with his power ratings and... I think there's going to be discrepancy right off the jump because in the number one spot, he's got the L.A. Rams, the defending champions. Yes, and I did read just the the cover, the start of the article, and I saw that he ranked the Rams number one because he always ranks whoever wins the Super Bowl number one coming into the following year. You know what? Stop right there. I stopped reading the article. Pete Prisco, thank you. Um, Risky business. Remember when um, Joel's trying to get into Princeton and he's meeting with the Princeton representative, vice president of the uh, Spanish club, Um, SAT scores, 640 math, 590 verbal. You plan to retake those. I see that. You know, Joel, you've done some nice work here, (laughs) but it's not quite Princeton material, is it now? Where I'm going is that's the most stupid thing I've ever heard. You're immediately disqualified. And we talked about, like, in the NCAA tournament, you know, if um, if the 18th best team won the tournament, would we make them number one no. the next year? I mean, of course it's just, not. Of course not. I mean, it's, it's irrelevant who won last year, Pete Prisco. And that is so – I'm just I'm just dumbfounded. People in the mainstream media can write stuff that like that that's such garbage. 
and it just no one, no one, no one cares. You know, who's Cluck of the Chicken like? Top ten <laughs> sports betting expert. Where are the Rams in your rankings? The Rams are up there. They're number five. A respectable spot. Yeah, it's a it's a respectable spot. It's the reason he ranked the Rams number one. That's just ridiculous. I agree with eyes. that. Like the the Rams are interesting to me because I could easily see. I mean, the Rams have the kind of team that is certainly capable of winning again. If you want to make a case for the Rams being number one, go ahead and 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 make your case. But don't say because the the um, you know that they beat the Niners by three and they beat the Bengals by three, so they win the yeah. Super Bowl. They're the best team. I think if you're making the argument, it is they return most of the same the most of the same team, say Von Miller, but you've got a, a quarterback in his second year in the system, mm-hmm. which has got to be a, an upgrade. So I, I, I'm with you. I can see making an argument for the Rams. I don't like the argument being, well, they're the defending champs. So obviously, let me um, make a counter argument. Um, COVID is still with us, but for the most part, the world is starting to turn again. Yeah. The, um, the end of the world is over, uh, and we're back. To, we're getting back to normal. Uh, a world champion, Los Angeles, you know what? I don't think that's going to be a good look the following year as far as – I think it's going to be a lot of – a celebratory year in L.A. and a whole lot of commercials made – and the like. And by the way, the the Matthew Stafford with Lily AT and T commercial is one of the greatest. Oh, it is very good. Oh, very it, good. It, 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 the the best commercial right now has to be Game Time with Peyton Manning and Serena Williams in the bowling yep. alley and the remake of the Kingpin finale. Yep. Although I don't know how Bill Bill Murray doesn't get a cameo in that commercial. I think he's in trouble right now with some like Me Too stuff. So maybe yeah, that's I, why. I I. I I saw that. Uh... They had to stop filming his movie or something. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Uh, number two, they've got the Buffalo Bills. That seemed valid. I, they're my number one team. Okay. Uh, we're not going to go through this too slow. Chiefs, Packers, Bucks. Any big arguments there? None. Bengals, Chargers, Broncos. No arguments. Bengals, I only have nine, so they might have the Bengals a little, little bit too high. Just Bengals again, at six. Went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Got to make them six. Um, if Tennessee doesn't donk off the game, you know, with terrible quarterback play, uh, Bengals uh, don't make their playoff run. The Bengals season win numbers nine half instead of ten. I think you can make a case for Bengals under ten for season wins. Broncos now versus Broncos pre Russell Wilson trade. How much did you adjust them? Yeah, so I've got the Broncos, my number eight team, three points better than an average team, and I think I had a minus one and a half from memory. So I so four and a half four points. And a half points. Good, yes. good jump. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, Where do you where do you have them? You know. I don't get the Niners. McKenzie. I don't think anybody does. I've got them 15th. I've got them slightly better than average team. And their over-under is 10. Where where does Prisco have them? He has them 9. He has them 9. Is Trey Lance going to be the quarterback? Well, his analysis is the quarterback situation is still unsettled. And if it's Trey Lance as the starter, they might have to be patient early on. Uh, San Francisco, no grade point average. All quarterbacks incomplete. We'll get back to you. McKenzie, do you have a feel for what the 49ers game plan is going into this season? Yeah, it's 100% Trey Lance. That's the plan. How are they going to win 11 games? Like when you say 100% Trey Lance... I'll I'll ask you, McKenzie, you know, because I guess none of us really know, but in my mind, if you say who gives you a better chance to win more games this year, Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, the only question is how many injuries. I'd still rather have Jimmy Garoppolo with an amputated thumb. 
But um, you you disagree, of course, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, do you th- you think Trey Lance gives you a, a better chance better to win chance games? Better chance to win a championship down the road. That's what it's all about. But, well, no, what down the road we we In, I, including I, this year, including okay, this okay. year, we have the potential to have a you know elite two way quarterback that we didn't have last year. Because we don't we I don't I don't speak in in projections. I know RJ likes taking money from me on three year bets, and that's and that's cool. <laughs> but the bottom line is all I, I the, the long term forecast for me is to go to February. That's yeah. that's that's as far as I'm. I, as I really care, you know, on my bets that I make. Yeah, they're, they're in an interesting spot because they do have a quarterback that is proven to at least be able to get them to the dance now, mm-hmm. or at least ha- you know get their get them to the door of the dance. He's done an excellent job of aligning himself with teams that are really good. Yeah, and <laughs> but, and but I they've listen, lost without him. I, I think that. If you said, I think Trey Lance's upside is has got to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo's. I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo has upside. I think Jimmy Garoppolo's a steady Eddie. You know, he's he's probably not gonna you know cost you too many games. He's not gonna win you too many games. Tyreek Hill doesn't convert the third and eighteen. He's Super Bowl champion. Yeah, so. I mean he, but he's a he's a solid guy. So do you pass on a solid guy for a lottery ticket is the question. You know, maybe I'm biased. I still go back to that Arizona-San Francisco game I lost with, like, what was it, 10-17? to 17? That's That Trey Lance just, oh, brutal. Fair enough. Uh, number 10, they've got the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who he's jumped up quite a bit. Uh, it, since the draft, he's moved them up six spots. Ravens a sub five hundred team. Where do you have the Ravens? Thirteen, but I have them too low. I actually think I like his rating better, and I've got Baltimore, Indy, and Tennessee tied eleven, twelve, thirteen, and so I'll I'll do the same. He's got the NFC East here eleven, twelve, thirteen. Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders. Command. Whoa, Commanders. Yep, the addition of wait, Car- whoa, 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 thirteenth. Oh, this I got to hear. What's his analysis? He, he moved them up twelve spots. The addition of Carson Wentz will improve the offense, but by how much? The defense has to get back to playing like many expected they would last season before a disappointing showing. That means Chase Young and gang. So he the, apparently his last rankings, he had the commanders 25th, now has them 13th. Where I mean, do you have the the Washington team? 22nd. I still want to call them the football team for some I'm reason. I'm still going to call them the, the commandos or whatever I want to call them. Well, let me put it this way. Carson Wentz. He got to join a really good squad in Indianapolis. They go to the playoffs last year. They did not. Um, they they are they able to take care of business against the really bad teams like Jacksonville, right? Yes. No. Not always. Not always. Not always. Once they did. <laughs> yes. Um, so now he's joining a dysfunctional organization that, by all accounts, if there's one team you don't want to play for, it's the Washington Redskins. Would you would you agree with that? They're certainly near the top of the list, yeah. Who's on the top if they're not there? I, I mean, I think the last few years the Texans have to be involved in oh, that. Oh, yeah. In yeah. that. Okay. I, I think Jacksonville's near that. And I think, honestly, I think the Jets are in that discussion. Yeah, that's all in the rearview mirror now. The Jets. Oh, the Jets. The they've got it figured out now. Okay. <laughs> the Jets. The, the, the Jets are getting glowing reviews. On, uh, surprisingly, right behind the Commanders, you mentioned Carson Wentz last year. The Colts at fourteen. Now Matt Ryan expected to do a worse job with the Colts than Carson Wentz is with the Commanders. Yeah, I got Indy a little higher. I got them eleventh. I think Matt Ryan will do a better job. He's got the Browns 15. I think it's really hard to to gauge what the Browns will be because you don't know how many games Deshaun Watson's going to play. 
Um, I agree with that. The Browns are very much a question mark. But obviously a, a talented team, a talented non-quarterback team. So even without Deshaun Watson, they're they're a talented roster. I, come November, I, I likely will have the Browns seventh. But yeah. to start the season, um, way, way, way lower. One of his big droppers, the Tennessee Titans, number 16. I got Tennessee 12, but I can see that. I mean, I haven't adjusted my numbers for the draft. So, you know, that's that's complicated. So I I, th- I like his number better. Raiders, Patriots, Cardinals? Uh, Patriots are obviously right in the middle. Raiders are right in the middle. Cardinals are right in the middle, yes. Okay, 20th, the Vikings, 21 Steelers. 22 Saints. Seems low on the Saints to me. He's low on the Saints. Saints are um, uh, a team that clearly is with the signing of Honey Badger and trading up to get Alave, the Ohio State wide receiver. They're a team that is playing to win, which means that we'll likely see more acquisitions, free agent signings. And Saints, I just bet Saints over seven and a half. So that's at William Hill minus a dollar thirty-five. I think that's a fine investment. Uh, Dolphins, Seahawks, Giants, twenty-three through twenty-five. How did Miami get get sandbagged down there? They uh, it's an, a nine and eight team who's adding maybe the the most dynamic offensive weapon in football. But there's a new coach, so and a lot of people think that. You know, it's hard to tell what a rookie head coach is going to be, a new head coach. But what we do know is Brian Flores was a good coach, and he's no longer there. So you would assume if we think that it's average average rookie head coach coming in next year, there's probably a drop-off in head coach, right? Yeah, but they – it's interesting how you say, you know, we know that Flores was, you know, a good coach. I think that it's likely he was a good coach. We don't have enough data. That's frankly. true. You know, it's like how often like we thought I, I still remember when Sylvester Croom, you know, won some games and he was like, you know, appo- anointed as a really good college football coach. What's that guy doing right now? I, I don't know. Mm. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, Seahawks. Does it feel like 24 is maybe high with a team that's got Drew Locke and Geno Smith and didn't address this in the draft? Do they feel like this is what they're going into the season with? I have them 24th because I still think they could get Baker Mayfield. So okay. it's a hybrid rating. Yes, it, as soon as they don't get him, it goes lower. Uh, Jags, Bears, Lions, Jets are 26 through 29. Uh, you know, the Bears are really going to be bad. I, agree. I just bet the Bears under seven. I think you can you can't make the Bears low enough, you know. Um, who's Mooney? Comet? Who's, who's going to score for this team? It feels like a team like whatever they. It, this is the confusing thing to me. I thought it was confusing when they hired a defensive head coach because I, I can't think of a team in the league who it, like they need their quarterback to hit for them to be even respectable mm-hmm. more than the bears and to, so to hire a defensive coach and then not draft anything to help him you know it might be that the bears dna is to win championships with defense and you know you go back to i know mcmahon was a very capable good quarterback. luck with that. yeah that's um so that's kind of the history of the bears that w- they're only good when their defense is good and the bottom three fez panthers 30 Texans 31, Falcons 32. Well, you know, I had some 
Harsh words for Mr. Prisco on the top of his ratings, but he, I think he's just fine. On the the bottom is strong. All right. Uh, okay, let's talk a, a, a general draft recap. And are, are there teams that you feel like made a, a real step in the draft? Are there teams that their draft told you they're not worried about winning right now? They're, they're taking some time to build a team. What did the draft tell you in the overall? I think number one was just that the Saints are going for it, trying to win. So the the one thing I came out of it was that, okay, I want to bet on New Orleans because here's a team that clearly, you know, could have said, you know, we're going to re- we're rebuilding and build for the future and they're, they're building for now. And then by contrast, you know, it sure seems like the Atlanta Falcons are a team that's just going to be god-awful bad and just has no 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 hope or no chance – and, you know, another team that's probably going to be very bad, you know, the Carolina Panthers just don't seem to have any plan at all. I, I think I really think when they made that Sam Darnold trade, it set their it set their franchise back like multiple seasons because yes. it, it was two years where you thought you had a guy that was. It, it's almost like they were walking around with a scratch off ticket that they thought was a winner. And they, it, then they got to the counter, and it was a loser, and they'd been counting on that money to pay rent next month. And it's like, wait, what do you mean it's a loser? And, and they're like, oh, you, the, the, that eight is actually a, a six. Or, you know, this happens with, with businesses failing all the time where they, they sell like four products, and one of their products just doesn't work, you know? And all of a sudden, they go from profitable to bankrupt because – uh, that, that that becomes something that that um, just as a huge loss leader, and that and Sam Darnold is a big loss leader. Yeah, and I'll be honest, like there's still talk about Baker Mayfield. There, Baker Mayfield isn't good enough to like Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough to win with the Browns roster, which is an elite non-quarterback roster. The Panthers have a bad roster. Baker Mayfield, this like if Baker Mayfield goes to the Panthers, that's that's his last starting job. Mm. Because I agree, it, it, I, I agree. Baker Mayfield, when he's healthy, is an average quarterback. Yeah, so he can have lots of success for with the team like the Indianapolis Colts, not a team like the Carolina Panthers, and maybe not even a team like the Seattle Seahawks if yes. that's where he ends up. Exactly. Uh, so I'm with you. The, the Panthers just a, a total disaster to me. Uh, and Matt Corral might be good. But I don't think Matt Corral is good enough to to carry a rookie quarterback is rarely good enough to carry a roster. Kudos to you on your Matt Corral information. You one of your best bets in the draft was to play Corral over thirty four and a half. Did he actually get drafted? I saw in the third round. He then. got drafted in the third round. That's not thirty four though. That's, no, that was that was over thirty four. That's that was the call. <laughs> that would be. I think it was ninety two or 65 something like, something like to that. Whatever did to ninety seven, whatever that is, um, and it really goes back to and you know what you you hear this all the time about people talking about you know what's beatable what's not beatable but the truth is you know when you talk to the sports books directors you know sometimes they cry and say yeah we lost yeah good for the betters they won they did well but it's all like tongue-in-cheek and they just basically what they're saying is we didn't make what we expected to make. You right. Know? Like, if you look at the numbers, like, the, 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 it's available. You can see what each state is winning. And the average hold is, like, right around 8%. You know, state by state, every state wins every month, and they win a lot in sports betting across the board. And I assure you, you know, you're not hearing a lot from the the big boys, the DraftKings um, and the like, in terms of how the draft treated them. Um, the numbers that, that that I've heard are st- 
staggering in how much money that they lost. Like, like no one would believe me. Like the um, there's there's some states that like literally uh, the hold was like minus forty five percent. You know, so do, they lost. Do you think that those those books will do what Nevada did and basically limit action that's available? I don't know. Or is it a better PR tool for them? It, to... It's it's you know when you're spending billions of dollars literally billions in advertising revenue, you know, to get player acquisition and you're valuing new players being, you know, so highly because they're going to lose with you for the rest of their lives. It's, it, it's a very difficult financially, you know, it's easy for me to say all these books should go bankrupt. They have no idea what they're doing. You know, that's because the flip side is uh, you look at, I think a casino could put in a blackjack game, by example, and deal double deck and deal the best rules in the world and let you split and resplit aces and double after split and do everything. And the good players would kill them, but there aren't very many good players. And, and the it would be attracted to the bad players as well. And they probably like, you look at that South point game, the South point blackjack is, is always filled. You know, they, they, if you walk in there at 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday night, all these $25 tables are full because they're giving you good parking, good gamble, good food, and and they're making money hands over fist, even though I'm sure some people are winning at that game. And so the same thing's probably true, you know, for the for, for the most part at the, you know, the FanDuel's, the DraftKings and the like. They're um, the, the overall numbers are showing a hold of eight to nine percent, even though I don't I don't know of anyone. I know no one in the entire world that has lost betting at DraftKings. I don't think I do either, honestly. So there just must be really quiet people, because they've got they've got to be up. You know, they, their doors are still open. Not everybody's winning, surely. Well, yes, and and well, and the and the and the reason that they're winning is because people. There's plenty of people and people that bet big on things that are very very hard to beat, like the NBA playoffs. Although I've had good success with it, um, and you know, NFL sides totals, baseball sides totals, and and so that winds up dwarfing you know that one out of you know, 500 guy that's really, really good and just has the Cincinnati Reds under 74, 73, 71, <laughs> 70, 69, 66 and a half. Is that guy you? And 65. Is that guy you? I got a lot of Reds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got, I now, I certainly have, I've got, the, hey, pre-flop before the game, the season started, I got the, I had the Yankees under and I had the Mets under. So rip up those tickets. Although I will say, and this is terrible because, I mean, it's just not available for me to give out all these bets. It, it was clear to me that I was in deep trouble, you know, and I played back Mets over, um, you know, because I, th- that was a big bet I made pre-flop. But, um, but this Reds, it's like the bookmakers just – it's like they, they – I don't watch games. How many games are the Reds going to win this year? I, I don't know. I don't have a good feel for it. I don't think they're going to win 60. Yeah, and and their number just keeps getting dealt in the in the mid sixties while they're historically bad in terms of Mackenzie. Can you look up the run differential on the Cincinnati Reds season to date? Sure. By the way, the Bengals have won more games this year than the Reds. Oh my gosh! Well, that that's something. <laughs> that that is something. All right, let's take a look at the USFL. Uh, we are now through three weeks. You were stoked to have you know off season football. How's the USFL treated you so far? What do you think of the league? You know, I am three and six in the USFL. So I'm That's winning not at everything. Good. I'm winning at everything. And I and, and it's frustrating to me because of those six losses, I beat the closing number in every one of them. Now, my critics would say, well, of course you did. People, you give out the play and people are betting your stuff. 
Um, and there's there's some validity to that, but there was no playback against the stuff that I'm playing. You know, at, at the numbers I play, um, I had the the Philadelphia Stars. I had their game over 40 and a half, and they missed an extra point and it landed okay. 40. So that was you know it closed 41.75. Um, big picture that this is the first week. Like I've been firing against the openers, and this is just against Circa. They put them up. And this is the first week that the numbers, I only made two bets against the opening numbers. They're much, people are much more aware of how good all the teams are. But to summarize, and it's this simple with the USFL, there are two good teams, all right? The Birmingham team is good, all right, the home team. And the New Orleans Breakers are good. Every, every other team is roughly average, except for the Pittsburgh Maulers. Oh, they're bad. They are god-awful bad. So Pittsburgh is... Like ten points, nine. They're maybe nine points worse than an average team right now. And the Birmingham and New Orleans are like five points better than an average team. And everyone else is average. It's it's literally that easy to summarize the league. The Maulers through three games are negative forty five in scoring differential. So losing by fifteen per game, that can't be very good. And this is even worse. So I mentioned there's two good teams in the USFL right now. You know, Birmingham and New Orleans, the Breakers, who have the best mascot, by the way. I don't know if all these teams even have mascots, but the Breakers, they have a cool mascot. Looks like he could kick butt in MMA. The, um, the, this, this, Birmingham, um, this Mahler team has amazingly, guess how many of the good teams, the two good teams, guess how many games they had to play against the good teams? None. None. They've been lucky with the schedule so far, and it's still not helping them. Exactly right. Now, one thing about the Pittsburgh strength of schedule, it, it ha- it's always going to be pretty good because they never play themselves, you know, so they never get the cupcake game. But the fact that they played three average teams and got mauled three three times, that's not going to be a good picture when they actually have to play Birmingham or New Orleans. One thing that jumped out to me uh, about the, the standings, and I haven't watched a single game of the USFL, but the Panthers, that's Michigan, right? Yeah. The Michigan Panthers, they're plus 15 in scoring differential, and they're one and two. That yeah. seems like maybe they're a bye team. Yes, the and I did bet Michigan at the opener plus two and a half, and now they're laying one. So that you know that that did move. Um, the only concern with the Michigan team is that they have two quarterbacks. So um, means they don't have any quarterbacks. Well, Paxton Lynch lit it up. All right, they what Shea, they got Shea Patterson and Paxton Lynch, and Paxton Lynch started and he kicked ass. All right, put up fourteen in the first quarter last week, and then ankle issue, so he's banged up. And Shea Patterson's got off when he came in and did nothing the last three quarters. So I need to see. I, I need to make sure that Mr. Lynch is going to be healthy before I, I back any of these Panthers and Jeff Fisher. Do you think the uh, you think the Broncos are having regret on moving on from Paxton Lynch? Uh, no. 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 Oh. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the NBA. I know you've had some success in the NBA. You said you're just you're keeping it simple. What does that mean? You know, I'm not evaluating the status of these players that are worth half a point to the line and whether they're playing or not playing and getting so involved with player personnel and matchups and the like. And I'm just looking at the big picture, the big picture in terms of how I expect a game to play out. And for the most part, I've been right. So um, to use an example like Golden State Memphis, um, I think that Golden State on the road at Memphis should be a small favorite. That line makes sense. But when Memphis drops game one and they're – and 
here's a team that won 56 games. I know because we bet them over 53 and a half. So I know they won at least 54. Um, has um, had such a successful season. Has a rabid home field. You know that the fans love this team. The idea that they would go out and get swept by Golden State and lose. You know both games at home didn't ring true to me. Now possibly I got some favorable refereeing along the way, but that's what the NBA doesn't want sweeps. They want sure. closer games. So if John Moran wants to take six steps, you know, to the, as he's going to the hole and not call. Did you see the one clip of him when he was traveling? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was really eye opening. Uh, it, it's funny for me because I'm, I'm a, I like this Warriors team. I'm also a big John Morant fan. I'm a, I, I like this Grizzlies team a lot too. I like a lot of their players. So, uh, my real rooting interest is in my bet with RJ at this point on who lasts longer between the Suns and the Warriors. Mm-hmm. But I really like watching this Memphis team. I, th- I think they're fun. Yeah. Well, you're heading for a showdown there because the um, Memphis is not going to beat Golden State. But I thought like that game too was just if if Memphis a good way to phrase it. If Memphis was ever going to cover a game, it was going to be game two after losing game one. And then I know, and people made some excellent points that Draymond Green only played a half, and 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 the like, and 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 that they would expect more from some of the players from Golden State. But the bottom line is, you know what? When you go up 1-0, it's just and and and, and you you traveled to Memphis all the way across the country, and you're thinking we got we got to make sure we get a game, got to make sure we get a game. And then it's easy to say, well, now we want to get both games as you go out for barbecue and you know and i don't know whatever you do whatever they did they did at the movie the firm in memphis and they went to that <laughs> island and what, what what whatever that was what's that called that I'm the trying tra- to you know, the tram when tom cruise is running along yeah i don't know what it's called the albino guy ch- chasing him what a great great good film. movie yeah great really good book too that's what i've heard yes no one has ever left the firm <laughs> alive all right, so what you're saying is you're just like we've been we've been breaking down how much is Joel Embiid worth? Like what what's like why is the line a half point this way or a half point this way? Are they undervaluing Joel Embiid? You're looking at it just in a different way. Yeah, well, I'm 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 using it for like the pillars. So I'm saying, well, Miami's one point better than Philly. So on a neutral, Embiid at 100%, we make Miami minus one. We give them two and a half for home field. Now they're laying three and a half. Embiid's out at tack on a five. Okay, we're at eight and a half. So, I mean, I'm doing that to see if I have value or not have value. But, like, you know, the big picture, I mean, you know, I'll throw this out. You know, Dallas is down 2-0, and they just got smashed. All right? I'd be surprised if I wasn't on Dallas game three. I, I mean, I think Dallas has shown a lot of heart, you know, with the way they that they played. And I could easily see them, you know, even though they're the far inferior team, being able to get, you know, that that game three um, in a pick 'em or a plus one situation. I mean, Dallas was down three early in the fourth quarter, and then you look at that final score and you say, "What? What? What happened? They lost by twenty? What? What the hell?" And it really was. Were, of course, they were down twenty-five in game one, and, and they, then they, they finished down by seven. By seven. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So maybe it's a couple of. A, but McKenzie surprisingly pulled up the shot quality from that Mavericks game, the mm-hmm. game one. And it said the Mavericks should have won that game. What 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 the shot quality McKenzie say game two in that game? Let's check it out. Yeah, that'd be interesting. But I, I'll say this: just it, it felt like last night in the fourth quarter, it, the Suns couldn't miss. Particularly Chris Paul couldn't miss. And it's six point win for the for the uh, Suns according to shot quality. You know what? 
I'm I'm putting a downgrade on shot quality, guys. <laughs> Why? I, I, you know what it, it is is that every shot quality. Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you could do a little research with this, Mackenzie. No one ever wins by 15, according to the shot quality guys. I would think it's like everything compresses because they they just assume you know that. You know, oh, I'm shooting it. I mean, unless you're turning the ball over and not getting any rebounds, everyone's getting a shot, and yeah. it's going to go in 44 percent or 38 percent or 50. But there's not going to be enough of a difference to ever result in a blowout. Other that's than that's a great to- call. The last 25 games the Suns played zero 15 point games, according to Shock. According quality. to Shock, obviously quality. they just won by 20 last night. They've had several blowouts. The Suns, by the way, 15 for 18 in the fourth quarter. Best shooting team in the league by far. Just amazing, amazing stretch to end that game. But I guess my, my thought would be, in the way that shot quality is built, wouldn't you guess that if, a, if there is a blowout game, either one team had some really bad shooting luck or one team had some really good shooting luck? Yes. Um, but it would... I, I, I do certainly agree with that. But I think, you know, the, the flip side is, like, I used to come in on the, on the weekends... Um, when Brad, Brad and I would come in, we talked to RJ, and RJ would be like, why did North Carolina lose by 12? And the answer was always really bad three-point shooting variants. That was always yeah. the answer. But it really, I mean, that's the frustrating part about basketball. I mean, why did the Bucks get blown out last game? Really bad three-point variants. I, I mean, that was the, Buck, or the, the Celtics shot the lights out from three. The Bucks had a terrible day from three. That, that leads to a blowout game. You know, I will say about that series. So we're both the games one and two went way under. And I saw game three is like 213. And I I don't get it. I don't more of the same. I think it keeps going under. It it just doesn't have the feel to me with that series that all of a sudden, you know, these coaches are going to make adjustments and the offenses are going to start scoring. I think it's I think it's going to be a rock fight you know, as that series continues. Let me ask you, and I, I want to ask McKinsey this too, because he, he's watched a lot of NBA over the years. Do you guys recall a time this late in the season where it felt like there were still so many real contenders for the title? It feels like, if my number's off here, McKinsey, let me know. It feels like there's still five teams in this thing who, if they won the NBA title, it wouldn't surprise me a single bit. I would agree with that. Miami being the fifth team probably, and then, obviously Boston-Milwaukee winner and the two teams out West. Yeah, I think this has been the story all season. This is the most wide open the NBA has been in memory. Michael Wilbon, you know, obviously ESPN guy, talking about the NBA forever. He said it months ago, this is the best playoffs we're ever going to get because we have no idea what's going to happen. Do you guys think that part of that, part of the reason for that is the two teams that were favored coming into this season were such massive disappointments that it let everybody else kind of rise up. Like the the Nets barely make the playoffs, don't make much of a showing in the playoffs. The Lakers don't even make the playoffs. Does that create parity when you take the two favorites and say, throw those guys out, everybody else is scrapping? Sure, because if you don't have a super team, like we look at our NFL power ratings, for instance, in almost any year, if we just got to delete the two best teams, we would usually be left with a lot of parity. Yeah. and it, it almost makes sense of, you know, in any endeavor, if I've got 100 golfers in a tournament and I get to delete John Rahm and whoever else, you know, from the top, then it's very rare the number three golfer is going to be a significant favorite over the number seven golfer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, this, this, these playoffs are fascinating to me. Uh, it, it's it's wild to see. Like I thought in the in the first round, I thought it was wild to see Jokic just be so – 
overwhelmed. Like, this is the guy who's the league MVP and by all accounts having one of the greatest seasons ever. That's a guy that didn't seem to miss any meals, you know, in March. Right. <laughs> he looked a little heavy to you. And, and then I look at – I'm watching the game last night with Luca, and, I mean – some of the stuff Luca is doing on a basketball court, like if you only wake up and look at the stats, you'll say, oh, Luca had a good game. If you watch that game, Luca is like a, a created character on a, on a basketball, a video game. Like mm-hmm. it's not fair what Luca can do in the game. It, McKenzie, did you see the move last night? Like the uh, the triple move where he's, I mean, he basically spun the guy around and, and ends up laying it in, getting an and one. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, these are things that, you you don't like it looks like Luca is a grown man who showed like the Shaq the Charles Barkley commercial with the little kids. Yes, it's like he still got it. It's like this isn't fair. What's happening here? Or like an NBA guy showing up at like a uh, a pickup game at the at the park. Kramer, you know, in the karate class with the eight year old. Yes. yes, yeah. It's just it's unfair. But as great as he is, he's going home. Like, I mean, this is two games and he yeah. He's great. It's not enough. So it'll be enough game three. Well, it might be enough to cover. I don't know, but it's not enough. It's not going to be enough for them to win the series. Is what I'm saying. And and that's. I I think that the the whole NBA is just wide open right now. And that's and and a good point. Mackenzie brings up a very good point that Miami is clearly the number five, but they're the clear. They're the only clear path team right now. What's funny is I I asked Mackenzie this before and. He was like, "Yeah, maybe, maybe we're we're not respecting them enough. Like the the Heat were a team. I don't know how they won the East, and then nobody was like nobody was even considering them as a team. Nobody cared. Uh, yeah, and it's they they it was like the Nets, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Sixers. Well, Boston was much better in this calendar year. They just right, but started with, nineteen and nineteen or whatever. Can you think of another year in the NBA?" Where the one seed is like the fifth favorite in the East. Yeah, the Atlanta Hawks. I was every just going to say, Bud, Bud's Atlanta Hawks, they won 60 games out of nowhere. <laughs> that's Paper easy. Tiger. That's Fair a, enough. That's a softball. Fair enough. But it does, this Heat team certainly doesn't feel that way, though. Weren't there years that like Denver and Utah got like the two seed? Yeah, they were. Utah was number one last year by far, didn't even make out of the second round. Yeah. Okay. Those phony altitude teams. They get <laughs> they get all those phony wins because the uh, smart, savvy teams are like, ah, we'll rest LeBron in, in Utah or, or in Denver well, for let, that road trip. Let's talk some uh, some prop betting and it, particularly weather betting. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm going to make the case that basketball and hockey suck to bet mm. versus other outdoor sports. All right. And the reason being is that the like we- soccer, like soccer, soccer. <laughs> you know, I'm not a soccer weather expert, but I'm sure I'm sure there are people that do it. But the the bottom line is, and 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 apologies, I know for you NHL players, I know there was a time when the refrigeration wasn't as as good as it was now. So there was an angle when it was really hot outside to play hockey games under because the uh, the ice was slushy, slightly slushy. Yes, believe it or not, I, that okay. that was an effect. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Or if, in, if if it's an outdoor game in hockey, sure. that an under can be good depending upon the conditions and and the like. But um, the bottom line is you want to. It's great when there's one parameter that single handedly can land you on bets, weather, and that's certainly the case with football. It can even be in the case with baseball. You know the wind and Wrigley. Um, 
the you know whether the dome's open or closed in Arizona. Obviously, the ball's going to fly if the dome goes open. Um, same in Houston, right? Yep. The, 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 you, know, fa- you love having an extra factor that if you only pay attention to that factor, you can, you can get an edge. So one more thought on whether, you know, golf is a great weather sport because you have times like with golf matchups, uh, it's supposed to be windy in the morning, not windy. Actually, usually it would be more windy in the afternoon. So you get a forecast like that, and if you get a guy matched up, an early guy against a late guy, big advantage there. Same with over-unders of what a guy's going to shoot. You know, um, and we saw that like with Tiger Woods, you mm-hmm. know, that that became that that's going to be a common prop on a on a player like that. If um, he has a non-windy day, his first day, and then there's going to be wind, that's obviously going to impact him the second day. So um, betting golf, who what's the winning the winning score on a tournament going to be? What's going to be the low round? Will there be a hole in one? Obviously, a lot of wind is going to impact stuff like that, yeah, which makes sense. But I mean, it just seems like. It's funny because normally aren't we looking to like eliminate as many factors that are out of our control as possible? Yes, but the problem when we eliminate all these factors, now we have fewer things that we can bet on. So, like you would say, I, I in an ideal world, there would be no injuries in the NFL. Sure. Bullshit. I want tons of injuries. Yeah. I want I want Paxton Lynch to get his ass kicked, so I can I can <laughs> I can bet against Sean pa- uh, the I can bet against the other guy, Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson when the um, w- when Lynch limps off the field, exactly, and the under. All right, let's talk about handicappers' short-term versus long-term success. Okay, so I'm not going to tell anyone you know who to subscribe to or who to follow. All right. But, subscribe to Fez. But I'm I'm red hot in the NBA, and I'm 15 and five um, in the NBA playoffs. Having said that, I really think you should look much more at someone's long term record. It's 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 true that when a handicapper is, is has that really good record, they're feeling it and they're seeing things, and I do believe that. But for the most part, I still think that the that I'll, Someone's long-term record is much more predictive, and it doesn't have to be like 20 years. I'm saying like the last three years, five years, their long-term record from that perspective is much more predictive of how they'll do than any 12-1, and you know, uh, 13-4 and type of run that they may have. So I just cost myself sales right there. But you're also pretty good long-term as well. Yes. That's, so, <laughs> you know, I, I actually had one losing year. I, I did have a losing year at pregame and kind of reinvented myself, changed some stuff up. Last three years, knock on wood, have really been, you know, tremendous. So let's keep it going. Well, this was my first losing year at pregame. Uh, this was my third year. Or, yeah, third year here. My, fir- or my no, number- fourth year. My first three were all all good in all sports. Number a- one at pregame, back-to-back years, college football. Yeah, really. and uh, th- th- that's certainly when you do have that losing season, and it makes you take a step back and say, okay, what am I doing different? What what do I have to change? So uh, it's not surprising to me, and it gives me some hope that you uh, you turned around from that season. And, well, and the and long-term if- record, again, is what's much more significant, you know, than any, any one year. Now, I know that people want to ride the hot streak, and that's fine. Sure. And the like, and, and I'll go back to, you know, in terms of purchasing stuff, um, RJ will get mad at me. Don't buy my daily stuff. Do not buy my daily picks and pay $25 for them. You get me for the season. You know what? If you don't win at the end of the season, then shame on me. I didn't do a good enough job. But on any one game, I'll, I had a big play on uh, the the Florida baseball team last night. They rallied back. They were up a one run in the ninth inning, and they lost. So That was, and we talked about it a little bit off air here, uh, uh, the Marlins-Diamondbacks uh, game. 
one of the weirdest games because there was a lot of money that came in on the Marlins. After Fez, by the way. After, after Fez. Fez. So I laid on the overnight, I laid minus 140. The idea being I've got two, uh, I've got the much better team off back-to-back one-run losses against a bad team. And that's been historically tremendously profitable. And minus 140 felt like that's a good bet. Once it was like, what would it close? Minus 175, Matt? Yeah. So close is minus 175. This, I mean, and Arizona's a bad team, but they were throwing Madison Bumgarner, who's been very good for them this year. Well, it didn't matter because he got ejected after the first inning. Yeah, a little oh, situation. Some nonsense. Yeah, so he, I'm like, oh, they found some foreign substance. No, they, um, they strip searched him, and <laughs> they searched his hands, and apparently the umpire held his hand for like 15. Yeah, minutes. it was like a really almost like a. Uh, it's almost like I don't know if your wife ever does this, but like sometimes my wife will just massage my hand. Like I'll Never. just sit there with my hand out, and she'll massage my hand. Never. It's it feels nice, but that's what it looked mm. like. Except yes. it would be really weird if like if I did that to you for fifteen and, seconds. And the umpire's just staring, making straight at, eye contact. Straight eye, and, and Bumgarner's just like looking down, like 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 kind of like when you get like you go to the doctor and he's examining you, like yeah. let's just get this over with. And he's like, "What the hell is going on?" So you see a line go from minus one forty to minus one seventy five. You see a weird, weird ejection of the only hope that Arizona seemingly had in the first inning, and you say, Wait, "Where's mm. Tim Donaghy? Like, yes. what, what are we doing here? Like, that did it? Did it feel that way to you?" No, because I felt that the situational spot was not being taken into consider consideration by the odds makers. Okay, what what the, what should the line have been? Minus, I think minus one sixty three. Okay. All right. Well, maybe not as egregious as I thought, but but it is very suspicious. Okay. All right. At least that we, that we would see that happen. I, that's what I thought as well. All right. That's going to do it for another Fezic Focus podcast. We appreciate you guys listening always. Uh, you, it, this has been one of the most successful podcasts on this feed, and that's thanks to you guys. And of course, uh, thanks to McKenzie and Fezic who have worked so hard on this thing. So we appreciate you guys listening. Tell your friends. Tell your friends, folks. Let's go with Best Bet New Orleans Saints. Over seven and a half minus one forty. I love it. I, I think that the Saints. If I think obviously, just like with every team, though, you're really counting on the health of Jameis Winston to hit that number. I think. But what we saw of the Saints with Jameis last year make me feel very good. Um, I. How much did you consider the coaching change when you made this play? None, because it's obviously negative. You know, to to, to lose Sean Payton. Obviously. Yeah, that that that's one of the things that kind of. It put me off of it a little bit, but it, you know, certainly force play for me. Saints over is is, is high on my list. If we'll you figure to out through. what to do with it when it's eight and a half. Yeah, that's September probably 5th. the way to think about it. All right, uh, appreciate you guys, and we will see you next Thursday. Mm-hmm.